Hey, it's Misty and Liz with Talking Shit Sure. We're sisters who don't know shit about literature, but we love to hang out and talk about the books we've read. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Talking Shitature and on Twitter at Talk Shitature. And look for us wherever you listen to podcasts. another episode of the see you next tuesday podcast i'm jesse i'm amanda and episode 22 we can drink yeah we've been drinking for a week (laughs) i was gonna say we've been drinking through our teenage years technically with this podcast i mean you know i've always been a rebel that's true that seems accurate Mm -hmm. let me sip my mimosa while you say that Mm -hmm. Mm. delicious I know. It's Sunday morning. You have to have mimosas. Yeah. Oh, it is Sunday. I thought it was Saturday. I wish. I know. Gotta head back to the shit show tomorrow. (laughs) God. Do you want to get into it? I mean, there's so much. There's so much. Too much to talk about in one go? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's not enough time in this podcast for that (laughs) therapy session. But um, I have a fun fact for you about money that I've learned at my job. What's that? Different money has different smells. Like, I can tell you if money was kept in a mattress, a bank, or if it was drug money. No, you can't. I sure as shit can. How? Because people pay for things that my job sells Mm -hmm. in large amounts of cash. And different cash has different smells. How can you? Okay, so what does a mattress smell like? It musty and dirty. All right, so then what is, like, what does drug money smell like? Drugs. No. (laughs) If it smells like pot, wow. it's drug money. Wow. I've, I've walked into that one. That's me. Oh, yeah, yo. You still tired? No. Because, like, <laughs> no more. Because, yeah, you opened the door for me to. I, I straight up did. I was like, hey, you know what? Let's go into this world. Oh, pardon me. I'm trying to adjust here. Um, and, yeah, walked right in there. Yeah, you sure did. Yes, because sometimes I do have to count very large amounts of money and I can always tell where you got it from because if you're dropping 20 grand cash I'm gonna be able to tell where that 20 grand cash came from does it like have a white powder substance on it or something no but it smells like it and how do you know what that smells like Amanda I've never done it but I've been around it (laughs) oh gotcha yeah (laughs) that's hilarious I did not know that the things you pick up, right? Yeah. The, the, the more, more you, you know. <laughs> we are both going there. Oh, it's going to be like that today, huh? It is. It is going to be like that today. Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to think if I have anything new. No. Well. Boring. Housekeeping. Okay. Yes. So, um, we have new sticker designs. We do have new stickers. Oh, my gosh, you guys. They're great. They're really fucking great. We cannot wait for you to buy them. Um, we'll put them everywhere. We now have two stickers, so take a look at Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Yeah, I'm going to put those up today. So they'll be up before this episode even comes out. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. So um, you'll see them. So for just a small donation for our fees our, that we incur that we've been paying out of pocket can get you one of our new badass 
as our sticker making company calls it, pixie dust stickers. Oh, is that what they're called? Yeah. I love that. I know. Do you want to give them a shout out? Oh, yeah. Um, they are Rockin' Monkey. Rockin' Monkey Sticker Company? Rockin' Monkey Stickers. Okay. They are a local San Antonio company. Mm-hmm. Um, they make the our badass stickers that are waterproof, weatherproof, dishwasher dishwasher proof proof. put them on those yetis that you don't hand wash and they should be able to go through the dishwasher yeah um they're great um they have this cool option that like if you don't know how you want your like you have your sticker design but you don't know how you want like the pixie glitter or pixie dust or holograph you don't know what parts you want to be what what you click the button that says, I don't know, just make it badass. <laughs> and they do. Like, that's what I've done. And they've made our stickers amazing. Yeah, I like these new ones, too. Y'all are going to freaking love them. So they're, they're freaking amazing. I love them. So um, for a donation, we will send you a sticker. Yep. Because we've been paying our fees out of pocket. And yeah. if you love us, help us out. Exactly. Plus, do you want to make the official announcement of the date that we're going to be releasing our special episodes? Um, yes. November 1st? November 1st. So again, it's probably coming out right after. So go head over to Patreon um, or head over to Patreon soon, I should say, because November 1st, we're releasing a whole series on, do you want to say? I'm going to say, yeah, the Duggar cult. Yes. Yes, this is your your brainchild, so I'll let you. So, for some reason, I've always been obsessed with them because I get obsessed with things I don't understand and I don't understand them. And if you don't think that anything with that fam is crime-related, there's a lot of shit crime-related. But we're specifically leading up to the eldest son, Josh's, situation. Yeah, as they call it in the news, his situation. Because his trial is starting November 30th. So we're doing a whole Patreon series on the family. We're starting with the mom and the dad will be our first release in November. Mm-hmm. It's going to be four parts. Um, their history on mom, dad, their religion and everything. everything. And then... <clears throat> We'll follow the children all the way up to finally Josh and that big whole shit show that is his life. Yep. So absolutely head over to Patreon, only on Patreon. We put a lot of time and effort and work into this, so please support us over there. And there's different merch that you can get to become a tiered member of Patreon for us. Just heads up. So not just stickers, but like prints and mugs and... Bunsies. Fun stuff, so take a look. Um, but that is our big surprise. Yay! <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited too. I really hope you guys like it. Yeah. Because um, I know that I really took a deep dive into them to find out things that even I didn't know who's... I've been obsessed with them. Mm-hmm. Like, I've had to hit the deep, dark Googles. And and the Reddit. <laughs> Reddit has been helpful too, actually. Oh, you Quite people, a lot of stuff you there. You people on Reddit... 
Yeah. They come through, man. I'm mm-hmm. telling you. That's why I said, like, you need to join Reddit because there's a whole community of people I that are doing the, the research. I have the app on my phone. I know. I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. I don't jo- know join us. I don't know how it works, but... <laughs> All of us millennials are like, yes, another one has joined us. <laughs> so yeah, I ridiculous. don't know how it works, but anyhow. Um, I do also have something I want to say. Okay. And you may or may not agree. You can disagree, and that's cool. I'm okay with that. But I have something I'd like to say. Say it. So, you know, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, as I'm sure you do. Yeah. And everyone else out there. Yeah. And so... When you listen to true crime podcasts, they all say that they don't cover cases involving children. Mm-hmm. And obviously we do. Yes. Which is a very different choice we have made. So um, I just want to say, um, one day my mind was wandering at work, as it does, because either I don't have anything to do. Or people are driving me crazy. Or I have so much shit to do that my brain is just shutting down and is going elsewhere. Yeah. And I realized that maybe I should tell everyone why I choose to talk about these things that nobody else wants to talk about. Yeah. Because yes, they're sad. Yes, they're revolting. No, I don't necessarily enjoy researching these things or talking about them. Um... And it does hurt my soul to do so. And a lot of times there is a lot of wine involved. And I do have to hit up my shitty reality TV to like cleanse myself. Mm -hmm. Um, But the people that commit these crimes against children are the ultimate cunts. And that is what our podcast is about. And unfortunately that does involve children. But also... I feel like these kids' stories have to be told Mm. because nobody is telling them and they're innocent and you're going to forget about those children if you Mm. don't tell their stories because the stories really aren't about the moms. Yes, they are about the moms, but they're also about the kids. And a lot of these women are no longer in prison. They are back out there in society. Mm. And if you don't tell those stories... People are going to forget that they happen and they're out there living their best lives. And so, and those kids don't get to live their lives at all. Right. So they're out there living their best lives. And if we don't tell those stories, then people are going to be like, oh, hey, um, hey, what's up? Nice to meet you. But no, if we tell their stories, then people are going to meet them and be like, oh, shit, you're that fucking cunt I heard <laughs> about on that podcast. Go fuck yourself and the horse that you rode in on. Yeah, so go change your name. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so yeah. many people don't want to talk about it because it is horrific, and I agree it's horrific. Yeah. It kills my soul to have to talk about it. It kills my soul to have to research it. But I feel like, for the kids' sake, we have to talk about it and not let the children be forgotten. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Basically, like being a voice of the victim, you know, kind of thing. And, and granted, of course, we don't know the full story of anything. We are, again, we're just researching based on news articles and anything we can find. But of course, like at the end of the day, that there are victims behind the stories that we're telling. And that's really important, no matter if it's a child or an adult or teenager, it doesn't matter. So, no, I think that's... So, I, I mean, I don't know if you agree with me and you can totally not agree with me, but for me, that's part of it. 
Yeah, no, I do. I do. And in fact, it's, it's something that I've thought about too, because the last thing we want to do is exploit someone's pain for our own podcast entertainment's purpose, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like this is not a podcast. Yes, we have fun on it and we enjoy talking to each other and talking about these things that we're generally interested in. But at the end of the day, something horrific has happened and that does not like stray far from our minds knowing that this is a real person. These are real people. These are real actions with real consequences and there are people who are hurting because of it. So we always want to pay due respect to the victims and their families that are left and know that we're hoping to tell the story in an appropriate way so they are remembered. And I feel like a lot of times I feel like The punishment doesn't always fit the crime, and I get mm. our judicial system, you know, innocent until proven guilty. But when you're proven guilty and you don't always get the punishment you deserve and you get to go out there and live your best life after you've done this horrific crime, mm. people shouldn't forget what you have done. Right, yeah. And to, yeah. for the sake of those children that you have hurt... That should not be forgotten. Mm. No, that's a good point. Yeah. And, you know, of course, we're always leaving room for redemption. But also knowing that some of these people may not have remorse is upsetting too. As you're just like, how can you have done this and not care? You know? Most of the ones we have talked about, it hasn't been just once. Right. Right. It's been a pattern. No, for sure. I think it's important that you said that because I definitely want to just make sure everyone knows we're not doing this for clout. We're not doing this for fame. We're not doing this for money at all. We're, we, we truly are interested in these cases. Mm-hmm. And to your point, we truly do care about these victims. hundred percent. Yeah. And obviously we're not doing it for money because no. we just begged you for money. Yeah. There's, there's that too. <laughs> Literally we're like buy our stickers. Like on LinkedIn. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I think that's important. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. No, I just thought about that. I typed up a whole thing. So I wouldn't forget to say it because I I just, it it was really important to me to say that because so many people say we're not going to talk about this, but here we are talking about it. Mm -hmm. So we're going, we're swimming against, what is that saying? Against the current? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, We're going against the grain. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... You know, I, it was just important to me to explain why I personally have chosen to do so. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if you agreed with me or not, so... I do. I echo that sentiment. I think you said it very well. Thank you. Yeah. And on that note... <laughs> yeah, so here we go. <laughs> so, here we go, because um, I got another one. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. So, do we need to warn people automatically, just, hey, heads up, this episode may not be for you? Yes. Okay, fair enough. So SPs, ship potholes all around, trigger warnings. Yeah. That's what that means. Yeah. I mean, this is episode 22. Yeah. If you don't know by now. Hello. Yes. Let's get into it. I'm curious. I'm so fascinated by the moms you're going to do. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay, go. Okay. So today I got Robin Lee Cornelier. She was born to 16-year-old Virginia and 17-year-old Charles Cornelier. On September 12th, 1957, in Nashua, New Hampshire. I am going to refer to her as Robin Lee throughout the entire story because you know I love a double name. It's great. We're in the South, it's what we do. 
I mean, if it had been like Robin Patricia, she would have just been Robin. But you put Lee. You kind of have to say Robin Lee now. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense. So if this is your first episode, everyone, this is what I do. <laughs> I rename everyone. <laughs> okay, so what's my name then? You're just Jesse. Okay, yeah. So I, I went from Jessica to Jesse. Yes. Got it, okay. Yes, yes. Um, in my, my mom's. I rename my cousins. That's true. That's true. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I just can't help it. It's what I do. Also, side note, 16 and 17-year-old parents, whoa, already setting her up for... Oh, yeah. Did, did we already <sighs> set the stage right here? Continue. So Robin Lee was the oldest of five children in a low-income household. God dang it, y'all. Do you already see where this is? Yeah, this is not a good start. And again, not saying anything against low income by any means. It's just really difficult as it is. And being, they're teenagers. Yes. Teenagers. Children. Yeast. Raising children. Yeast. Oh my goodness. So, um, Charles never seemed to have a steady job and he is prone to violent alcoholic binges. Wow. It's, it's like a formula. The guy is always like alcoholic and he's abusive. Wait, is he abusive? Are we going to get a little bit of that, too, mixed in here? Into the soup? I don't know. Let's mm. see. So, despite all this, Robin Lee was always close with her dad. Hmm. And she claims that Virginia was cold and distant. But Virginia was the primary breadwinner and working all the time to keep the family afloat, so that could also be why she seemed cold and distant. Hmm. Okay. Because she wasn't home. She was working. Right, right, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. The house was also filled with violent arguments. Ah, uh, there it is. There we go. Violent arguments. Fun. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Shit pothole. There are also allegations that Robin Lee and at least one of her sisters was sexually abused by their grandfather. God dang it, y'all. I don't even want to get started into that wormhole. Like, just no. why? Just, yeah. come on. No, don't no. be a fucking piece of shit. Yep. Yep. So Virginia and Charles got divorced when Robin Lee was in her early teens. And this was actually extremely difficult for Robin because she was really close with Charles. And after the divorce, she really rarely saw him. Mm. Shit hole. By the time Robin Lee was 14, she had gotten pregnant. But don't worry, Virginia took her to have an abortion. Oh, real? Oh, so she was like, look, girl, I even, I had a baby at 16 and this is what I'm guessing. I'm, I'm obviously editorializing, but I, I'm assuming it's one of those situations like, girl, you do not, you're too young for this. Ready for my theory? Yeah. Robin Lee came home at 14, said, look, Virginia, cause she didn't call her mom. She called her Virginia. Oh, wow. She said, look, Virginia, I'm pregnant. And Virginia said, oh, the fuck you are. Get in the car. Right. Yeah. There was no option on Robin Lee's part. That's probably. And ugh, SP, I don't mean to be gross, but was it grandpa's? I don't know. You know what? I don't think so. Okay. I really don't think so because two years later at 16, Robin Lee was pregnant again. Mm. Well, she's acting out. Clearly. Y- yes. You know, she's like... Fuck you, mom. Fuck you, dad. I'm pissed that you guys got this divorce. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make my own way. This, you know, and here's how I'm gonna do it. Yeah. I go away. And this time she kept the baby. Yeah. Of course she did. 
So um, the baby daddy, according to her sisters, was her boyfriend, Mitch. I know. Mitch. What a name. Mm-hmm. This is the 60s? It was 70s. 70s. Okay, yeah. That's definitely a 70s name. But um, by the time she birthed her son, Keith Cornier. Keith? Keith Corniel. God damn, I can't say that. We're just going to call him Keith. Yeah, Keith it is. <laughs> In 1974... By all appearances, Robin Lee was done with Mitch, and he was never involved with Keith at all. So I don't really know what is the most tragic about all that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a good thing. Take your they pick. Are, was, kids. It, was it tragic she got pregnant at 14 and was forced to have an abortion, allegedly forced? Is it tra- more tragic she got pregnant again two years later? Is it more tragic that... She was done with her baby daddy by the time the baby was born. Was it more tragic that the baby daddy was never involved in the baby's life? There's a lot of trauma here. And again, if she's been sexually abused, there's also this, like that, that's also carrying out through all of this. I mean, would it have, would all of that had happened if her dad had just stayed in her life? Who knows? Who's to say? It may have gone the same way. Psychologist. Yeah, right? You may at us. Yeah, please. Actually, that would be fascinating to know more about this. Yeah. Oh, why is the pod daughter not further along in college yet? I know. She needs to get with it. Come on. Graduate early. (laughs) Come on, sis. (laughs) In in October 1975, Robin Lee welcomed her second child into the world. This time, it was a little girl named Christina May. That's cute. It is unknown who Christina May's father is. Okay. Lord bless her heart. So in June nineteen, June twenty fifth, nineteen seventy five, Terry Mortel, an antique shop owner in Brooklyn, Brookline, was shot three times during a struggle that occurred during a robbery. Why am I telling you about Terry Mortel in the random. middle of Robin's story? Yeah, random. What are you doing? What's going on? Well, Charles. Robin Lee's father was arrested and convicted of the murder in 1979 and incarcerated in the New Hampshire State Prison. Oh my glory. Oh my God. So dad's just going full ham and just F it at this point. Yeah. All right. And about this time, Robin Lee met Wayne Hamilton and they began, began a relationship. Mitch and Wayne and Keith, I am loving it. I'm not on trust to Wayne. I don't know why I just don't trust a Wayne. Unless Wayne's it's Wayne's world. world. Wayne's world. Unless it's Wayne's world. <laughs> Party time. <laughs> like, that's Schwing. different. But like, a, a, a normal Wayne, you know why? Because he's a Canadian Wayne. Well, you shouldn't trust this Wayne. That's what I'm saying. See? I already knew it. Already knew it. Because this Wayne and his group of friends were known to, mit- to commit petty crimes to earn money and set fires to cars. Yeah. There it is. 1976, Robin Lee and Wayne were implicated by one of Wayne's um, friends for arson for hire and car burning schemes. He can't trust Wayne's friends. Mm Mm-mm. So, Wayne was given a choice of punishments. Ready for this? In 1976, they said, you can either serve jail time Uh or join the military. Wait. I'm sorry. Was he white? So he was given a choice here in this matter? 
I feel like he was given a choice because it was 1976. That makes no fucking sense. Hello, Vietnam. I know, but still, like, I just feel like, well, why don't you just incarcerate him like normal? You know what I mean? Like, well, why? How is that even like a? Oh, by the way, you can join the military, get out of all your crimes, and then go do crimes in Vietnam. What? You know what? I personally would have chosen <laughs> fucking jail. Absolutely. <laughs> but Wayne chose to enlist in the Marines and left. Oh God, of course he would. The Marines. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. You could have chosen the Navy. Wayne. The, he chose literally the hardest one there was. But but you know what? You know Maybe what? that's good. Good for Wayne. You want to know why I say good for Wayne? Because he left. But Robin Lee, she looked out. She wasn't arrested. She got a taste for it, didn't she? She was feeling it out. She was like, oh, this is kind of fun. So mysteriously, after Wayne left in 1977 for the Marines, a fire broke out in the apartment complex where Robin Lee was living. Mm. Hmm. But that caused her and her kids to have to move back in with her mother. And there aren't many details about the fire, so we don't really know what happened okay. or how. But, you know, I'm sure Robin Lee didn't do it because she had to move back in with her mom. And she doesn't like her mom. Exactly. Or, or my guess is, is maybe she, she tried it out for herself and it got fucked up and she was like, damn it. And then, you know, then she realized, crap, now i got to move back in with my mom. You know what I mean? Yeah. January 
So guess what? Mm. Well, we not done with Wayne. <sighs> He's going to circle back around when he gets out of the military. And he- uh-huh. A couple of months after Christina May passed away, Wayne was transferred to Camp... God damn it. Why? 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 <sighs> Lejeune in North Carolina. I think you nailed it. I and the pair became engaged. Oh, because of course you do. Wait, he just came back and she's just like, yeah, for sure, let's just get married. Of course, because I'm sure she was faithful the entire time, as was he. Oh, my God. So Robin Lee moved in with Key. Robin <laughs> She didn't move in. Robin Lee and Keith, who was three at the time, moved to North Carolina with um, Wayne. With Wayne, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. And in March 1977, the couple married and moved into a no- mobile home off base. Okay. Living their best life. Yeah. So a couple of weeks after the wedding, a loud sound woke Wayne up, and there were flames shooting up from the dresser that was placed next to the bedroom door. Luckily, Wayne was able to put the fire out on his own, and when the fire was out, he noticed that Robin Lee wasn't in bed with him, and he found her sleeping on the couch. This was the first time she'd ever slept on the couch. Um, and they chose not to report the fire to authorities. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Yeah. Okay. I mean, again, it's it's one of those things where maybe, as the spouse... Maybe they just left a candle burning by accident. Oh, 70s. Incense. Incense. We got, we got fucking, you know, scarves over lamps everywhere. Cigarettes. Yeah, so it could have been anything. Mm-hmm. Don't be suspicious. Shortly after the fire, Robin Lee was arrested for writing bad checks and convicted of forgery. Why does this go together too? Have you noticed that? It goes abusive, traumatic childhood with an alcoholic parent, a distant parent, and then all of a sudden we're starting to write bad checks. Casey Anthony. Now, granted, in her case, she had none of that parent shit. She just was Casey Anthony. But yeah, she's, am I wrong that the bad check is in there? I, I, I mean, I think it goes with I want things, better things, and I'm gonna do whatever I need to do to get it. Yes. Okay. Think Celeste Beard. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she did this. She did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. So she was given a four-year sentence at the North Carolina State Pen. But she was on on parole by March 1978. But guess what? Wayne was done with her ass. Whoa, okay. Wayne was like, you set my trailer on fire. You've written bad checks. You've gotten sentenced to the pen. I'm a Marine now. I ain't got time for this. Right. He was done. Like, the Marines, it sounds like straightened him out. Okay. So Robin took Keith and moved back to New Hampshire. Um, She apparently been had a hard time following the terms of her parole because at some point a warrant was issued in North Carolina for her arrest. I don't know what she did or if they, like, she just avoided North Carolina. I couldn't find very any details on that after that. Okay. So back in New Hampshire, she got a small apartment near her sister. Um... Terry and Terry's young daughter. So Robin Lee and Terry, they would trade off watching the kids. It seemed almost idyllic. I'm done. 
Oh, that's the end of the episode? Thank you all so much, you guys, for listening. <laughs> nope, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know it. I knew I'm it. just kidding. So one night when Keith was five, he was staying at Terry's house because it was Terry's turn, turn to watch the kids, right? Mm-hmm. A fire broke out. Are you keeping track? Because this is fire number three. <laughs> I have never been in a fire in my life. And there's already don't been three. Throw that, don't throw that out in the universe. Oh, I'm going to knock on wood real quick. Knock on wood. Yet. How about that? And and this poor kid has been through three. Okay. So Terry woke up and the kids were screaming and thank God she was able to get the kids out of the apartment unharmed. Mm. The fire department couldn't determine the case, the cause of the fire, and they eventually ruled it accidental, possibly electrical. Yes, happens all the time. According to Terry, while she was discussing the fire with Robin Lee... Robin Lee made a comment. This is why you should have life insurance on your kids. I'm going to let that sink in for a hot sec. What? Like, that's the first comment you make? Or, well, it's probably not the first one, but, like, why is that even... Okay. Yes. Hmm. Yes, she said that. Out loud, in her out loud voice. To her sister. Yes, she said it in her outside voice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to stop now or do you want to go on? No, yeah. That's just not smart. It's just not smart. I mean, again, then, you know, hindsight, but also this person doesn't... She's been getting away with... I'm assuming she's been getting away with this for this many years. So she's like, eh. So, hmm. early 1980, Robin Lee moves little six-year-old Keith all the way to Cali from New Hampshire. It's a hell of a move. Well, she got to get away. From her sister, who's now like, wait, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. So she had a friend who owned owned a cabin in Somerville, which is in Northern Cali. Um, so when I say Northern Cali, I mean like the Cali-Oregon border. Oh, wow. Um, so Somerville was basically all little cabins, a store, and a dive bar. Huh. The closest town was Pine Creek, which is now known as New Pine Creek. And in the 2010 census, it had a population of less than 100 permanent residence. Wow. I don't really know that it's smart of her to go to a place this small. If she's craving attention, maybe, because it's like a small town. But small town, they could keep an eye on the outsiders. That's true. And they talk shit. They talk mad shit. Mm-hmm. So, not good. So, the friend offered up her cabin as a place for Robin Lee and Keith to stay for free while she worked to establish herself. And I wish I could make this shit up, but on June 18th, 1980, Robin claimed she woke up when her cat jumped on her face and the cabin was on fire. Oh my god. Uh, it, where there's smoke, there's fire. Literally, can is mm-hmm. it's a literal meaning at this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. stage. So Robin Lee barely escaped and ran to a neighbor's cabin for help. The neighbor ran to the burning cabin... To try and save little Keith. No. First, Robin told the neighbor Keith was trapped in the bathroom, so the neighbor broke into the bathroom from the outside, and Keith wasn't in the bathroom. Eventually, Robin told the neighbor Keith was in his bedroom. The neighbor tried to get into the cabin through the front door, but the door was padlocked from the inside. Somehow, he was able to finally get into the cabin, and he desperately tried to locate Keith unsuccessfully. Mm. The smoke and the heat got to be too much for him, and he had to leave the cabin. 
ship hot hole no hit the skip button once the fire was put out they found the badly burned body of six-year-old keith on his bedroom floor no poor baby oh it's awful yes so are we gonna call the cunt now um keep going i just want to officially say it at the end bitch i'm mad i am so mad right now i'm like I can't call it because it's my story. You have to call it. Well, so far, everything is not adding up with her at all. Like, I mean, all these pieces, she's clearly fucking setting these fires because she wants attention or whatever, and she got a taste for it back when she was with Wayne, and so she was trying to figure it out this whole time, and I am going to predict that, yes, she has insurance policies on her chillins. And not only does she have them on her children, but, like, like, so Keith... I mean, like, but she's only got two kids. Like, what's her plan now? You see what I'm saying? Like, take insurance policies out on her family so she can burn them? Like, what the hell are you doing? Ugh, I'm just... Mm, continue. <laughs> just so mad. Like, why I mean, would you do this? I mean, she's had children. Do you think my story's done? That's no, true. She can always have more, I guess. So the fire investigators found a portable heater in Keith's room that had a pile of clothes pushed up against it and turned on. At the time, it was 90 degrees during the day and still very warm during the night. But the fire was ruled accidental with the likely cause being clothes catching fire by the heater. But as an arson investigator, again, if you are one or no one, wouldn't that be suspicious to you to have clothes by heater in 90 degree weather? We're in Texas in October and it's 50 in the morning and 90 at night. I could see in that instance where your heat may still be on if it's like one of those heaters you have to turn on and off. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But even still, you would turn it off when it's fucking 90 degrees in the afternoon. You'd be like, it's hot up in here. Yeah, you would. But they're going to be like, it was absolutely turned on. They'd have to prove that she intentionally turned the heat on. That's true. Intent is so hard to prove and fire is pretty Mm -hmm, obviously mm -hmm, damaging. So it's mm -hmm. hard to kind of... And she's not using accelerants either. So she's not using like gasoline, kerosene, Mm -hmm. nail polish remover even, or anything that's like... Yeah. (sighs) Well, give her that. She's cunning. So Robin alleges she was in the hospitals for several weeks due to smoke inhalation, but there's no public record of that. But do you know what is public record? Do you want to know? Do you? Do you? (laughs) She received $28,000 in life insurance money she'd taken out on Keith's life. In today's money, that's $92,959.66. Why would you need that on a child? You don't. So, let me tell you. Please help. I don't understand. We have only carried life insurance on our children one time in our lives. So, when I worked for a state, not a, it was not a state, for a government entity, mm-hmm. I, one of my benefits was life insurance for myself and then discounted life insurance for the rest of my family. Mm-hmm. At the time, my youngest child um, was anaphylactic to peanuts and tree nuts before he outgrew it. And um, we knew if something very terrible and unfortunate were to happen, we wouldn't be able to cover the costs that were to be incurred. Right, yeah, yeah. So we did opt in to have the life insurance on our children at that time. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and because we were getting it for one child, we had to have it on all the children. Oh. Um, they would not allow me to only have it on one child. Oh, got it. But when I no longer had that job anymore, when I quit that job and moved on to my current job, I no longer had that benefit. So we did not have life insurance for the kids anymore. Okay. And my son has outgrown those allergies. Mm -hmm. Thank you to the universe, the powers that be. Seriously. Um, Seriously. Because that is horrific. Um, so that is the only time we've ever had life insurance on our children. And that is the point of life insurance on a child is to be able to cover those costs. Mm-hmm. I don't even like to say funeral in regards to my I, own child. I know. God, no. Um, because those costs are very extensive. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's the point of life insurance on a child in case of an accident. An accidental. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, especially and to your point, like your child had an allergy. So God forbid, you know, then yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Is it common for parents to get life insurance on children? I don't Nowadays, know. Nowadays. Because I, mean. I don't. Like, even me and my husband didn't even like to talk about it. This is how it went. I pointed to the paper. I was like, well, you know he has food allergies. And if he were to eat the wrong thing, should we? And he was like, I don't like to think about it. I go, I don't either. I go, I don't even want to talk about it. And he goes, I don't either. I go, so should we? He was like, yeah, probably. I go, okay, I'll turn the paperwork in. Yeah. Like, that was the conversation (laughs) because it's so uncomfortable to discuss. Yeah, it's not something you ever want to think about. And so, like, life insurance on a spouse is to help you cover the cost of, like, their portion of their income. Right. And the funeral expenses Uh or whatever else might happen. Yeah. So, I mean, like, $28,000 on a child is crazy. Or, in this case, $92,000 on a child is crazy because they're not supposed to be making up the same monetary value as like a spouse would right because they don't have a job he's a six-year-old right yeah so hmm okay that's just how i personally view it no that's good to know because i was just curious that i mean i don't have children and then like i'm trying to think back i don't even know if my parents ever had it on me i don't know maybe i think so i think so i don't know it's just weird but okay so in her in this specific case it was very like odd and then connecting the dot back to what she said to her sister, Terry, it's like, wait, what? You're chill about this? Like, why are you okay with even talking about this? Yeah. Mm, okay. So there were actually a lot of people sus when this happened. A lot of people were like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Because she claimed this $90,000, due to inflation now, right. $28,000 um, life insurance policy. And they're like, wait, what? Yeah. You know who was sus? Terry. The sheriff. Oh, hell Yes. So let's go sheriff. But there wasn't anything anyone could do because the fire was ruled an accident. Mm, damn it. But there were people suspicious, including the sheriff. So, I mean, like I said, small town, you shouldn't have pulled this off in a small town. You're nope. an outsider. That's true. That's true. Um, so what did she do? She took her blood money and bought a mobile home and a new car. So she was living her dream. And then the then strange fires began to break out around the mobile home park she lived in. But nothing was ruled criminal and no one was being hurt. She is not being chill at all. If she's trying to like get away with something, this is not how you do it. You know, in my mind, I just pictured 
Drew Barrymore and Firestarter. Oh, shit. Like that little yes. face. Oh, my God. That was creepy. That movie was... Yeah. So, for some reason, somewhere along the way, I don't know how or why, I guess she decided she needed to, like, bounce from the mobile home. She moved into an apartment in Pine Creek, and... She got pregnant again. Oh, God. No, 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 no. So, I personally feel like she's a great candidate for sterilization, but, you know, what do I know? <sighs> In December 1981, she gave birth to a little boy named Joshua. No, Aw. Aw, Joshua. So, about this time, she reported her car stolen, and it was found... Totally burned, so Robin Lee, of course, got to collect the insurance payout for the loss of the car. I mean, what is this? Fire number 843 in her life? I don't know. God. There's no, like, and I don't know if there is one now, but there's no, like, database of these fires seem to be following this person. You know what I mean? Like, there's too many in a row for it to not be... They're all around her. They're all literally all around her. Not in the 80s. All right. 82. Romilly was arrested again. Nope, not for arson. No, of course not. No. But for embezzling from her employer. Okay, well, that's something. At least it'll stop the fires for a minute. Yeah. I mean. When she goes to jail. For a hot second. Yeah. See what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> so she pled guilty to grand theft and was sentenced to three years in the Cali State Prison System. Little baby Josh, she, he stayed with friends while she served her prison sentence. And these were probably the best years of Josh's life. I'm just guessing, but I'm going to go... Probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, Robin Lee actually only served nine months before she was released on probation. Yeah. It's prison, be- prison system. Because it, it's overcrowded with all those horrific people who smoke pot. I mean, you know... 80s. All those crime people. Oh, and all the Satanists, you know, all millions mm-hmm. of those people. Mm-hmm. 80s. Yeah. So she stayed put um, in the Pine Creek area. And this bitch, all oh, this bitch, she fucking got pregnant again. Oh my God. Seriously. This is sterilization. Irresponsible. Sterilization, people. I'm pro sterilization. And she had another little girl. This time she named her Tabitha. That's a cute name. And I envision um, Tabitha from Bewitched. Ooh, I envisioned, uh, oh, Thumbelina is what I envisioned. Like a little, like, oh, yeah. I envisioned Tabitha from Bewitched. That's a good one. Yeah. Age difference. (laughs) True. So no one actually knew who the kid's father or fathers were. That doesn't surprise me. And honestly, I don't think Robin Lee knew either. Um, Speculation. But going out on a limb. But guess what? She was actually collecting child support from a few different men. So she would have to legally prove that those children were that guy's child. Not if she just say, this is your kid, and that fucker just paid her. So let me tell you what I think happened. She didn't go through the court system? She just like straight up like, hey, pay me money for this kid that's allegedly yours? I'm sure. And 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 these dudes are stupid enough to pay her? Look, as I typed... I'm sure they were paying her just to stay the fuck away from her. Ah, uh, that's probably true. They're probably, this bitch is crazy. Yeah, I'm sure they were like, as long as you leave me alone, I will pay you 100 bucks a month. What? 
So she was straight up scamming these dudes. I'm sure she was because... Who may or may not have been the fathers. It says a few different men. I'm sure. I'm sure they just wanted her to go away. Leave them the fuck alone. Wow. Wouldn't you want Firestarter to leave (laughs) you the fuck alone? Yes. Yes. Yes, I would. (laughs) They were just trying not to be the next... um, Victim? God, what was the name of the guy with Francine Hughes? Oh, God. Her, her horrible husband? Yes. Well, he he, he kind of deserved it. He kind of um, did. But anyhow. Anyway, that guy. Yeah. You know. Burning bed guy. Mm-hmm. They were just trying not to be the next burning bed victim. Mm. So, um, and once she left Callie, these men were no longer in any of their lives. Well, no. Goodbye. So, she left Callie. They stopped paying her. She stopped asking for money. Okay. I mean. Which just shows you that she was scamming. Yes. Clearly. Otherwise, yes. if it was really like child support, that follows you. It doesn't matter where you're living. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, that's right. She left Callie, and our story continues at yet another new location. She's coming to Texas, isn't she? Isn't she? No, actually. Uh, okay. I was like, tell me. I left Texas. <laughs> I left Texas. You left Texas. I left Texas. I just realized that. Finally. <laughs> so, the summer 87, she decided it was time to move on. And I'm going to assume it was because there was too much suspicious activity surrounding her and she had to GTFO. Yeah, probably. Because, um, you know, the sheriff thought she was sus. She was scamming too many men. Eventually, they were all going to talk to each other. So she was driving a POS car and she didn't have uh, much blood slash embezzlement money left. So her car broke down in Reno, Nevada. And what does any self-respecting single mom with two kids in tow do? Um, become a showgirl? No. They use the last of their money to buy the bus tickets to Boise, Idaho. Boise, Idaho? Fuck is in Boise? <laughs> she claims she'd never even heard of Boise before. Well, then why go there? Like... I don't know, but I actually believe that she never heard of Boise before. Mm-hmm. I believe she looked at the bus station board, counted her money, and goes, Yep, that's all I got. Boise, please. That's probably exactly what happened. I've never heard of that place. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep. So August 87, Robin Lee, Josh, and Tabby. I've decided to call her Tabby. Tabby's a great name. Mm-hmm. They get off the bus. Um, Robin Lee finds a shelter to stay in because for all intents and purposes, she's penniless. And then some charities and eventually she gets some assistance from the YWCA to find a place to live. So, you know, um, she's like getting some help. Yeah. And she actually ends up working for the Y and y'all won't believe this. Childcare. Robin Lee actually did a good job of working at the Y. And she worked her way up the ladder to managing one of the YWCA locations. Really? So see, girl, if you just stuck with this path, we're good. She's getting her life together. Yeah, this is good. This is like, yes, do this. You got two kids. You're making money. You're putting food on the table. All of this is good. End it here. I'm done. Okay, good. No. Damn it. March 1988. Robin Lee was 31. And we get another man. Well, you don't need no mans. You don't need no mans. Can I just say this to all the women out there? You don't need no mans. You don't need no woman's. You don't need no non-binary. You need you, baby. I'm just saying. Am I wrong? 
Well, I mean, sometimes a partner can be good in your life. Partners can be good. Both times. But not for Robin Lee. No, not for Robin Lee. Welcome, Randy Rowe. Mm-mm. His name is not Randy. God dang it. We have a Wayne and a Randy. Look, how amazing is that name? I typed that. Randy Rowe. R-O-W. Wow. So Randy and Robin Lee were married just two and a half months after they met. Randy and Robin. God, can you imagine the tiered 80s cake with like those like... Big, big bug. Oh my God. I'm loving this wedding. Yes. It's got lots of pink. it's like her... Second, third, fourth marriage. Yeah, because back then they actually, she probably would have had like an off-white dress at minimum. Mm-hmm. If not like a pink or a blue or something or like blush. that. Or blush. A blush. Oh, it was blush. Blush dress. Yes, I'm loving I, that. You know those cakes where they used to have like the like Greek columns like yes, on the cake yes, and shit? Oh my yes. God. Yes. I just can't. So, during this time, Robin Lee, she was still working at the Y. She was still working at the Y, and then one day in the fall of 89, a fire broke out in the basement of the Y. A fire, you say? Shocking. Bad luck just follows her around everywhere she goes. It's like she's cursed or something. Or does it? Hmm. Because these fire investigators ruled this fire arson. Yes, thank you, Boise, Idaho, police and arson fire detectives. Because they found a pile of clothes that were out of place and a small electric heater switched on. Does this sound familiar? Thank you for doing your job. Thank you. This is exactly what I was saying earlier. Does this sound familiar? But that is not what made this fire arson. Nope. 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 Uh The fire actually started in the corner of a room where it was likely ignited with an accelerant. She done fucked up with the accelerant. But Robin Lee was not a suspect. But she did profit off of it when she collected a small insurance claim because she claimed she had Christmas presents in the basement that were destroyed by the fire. Sure, she fucking did. Christmas presents? Are you storing Christmas presents in the, the basement? basement of the Y? Yeah, that's such a no, random... No, she didn't have any fucking Christmas presents. Lee, you hear me? You didn't have no fucking Christmas presents down there, bitch. Prove it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Where are these insurance companies that are just paying and paying and paying? Because from what I understand, you gotta fucking pull teeth. Guess what? My car was broken into, and um, I had my wedding ring worth $50,000 in it. Did you get money for that? No, I'm saying I do. I'm filing my claim when we're done. Oh, okay, there you go. Outside, it just happened in front of your house. Oh, okay, got it, yeah. Yeah, yeah I saw it. It was crazy. He took off running. I was so drunk on mimosas. <laughs> my bladder was full. I had to use the restroom. I couldn't chase him. Did he look like Robin Lee? <laughs> It's Robin Lee! <laughs> um, your husband was still asleep. We couldn't wake him up. Oh my god. Oh my god. It was a white man with brown hair. <laughs> Super generic. White guy. <laughs> oh god. I'm just saying, like, it's like insane to me because I hear cases of people who legitimately have like losses in their family, even, and they're like, can't get insurance or like well because of those you know but this yet this bitch is getting money left and right for christmas is, presents because it was the 80s not the 2020s oh god 80s the 2020s 80s man so in 1989 tragic struck again so randy had a bad motorcycle accident and he was unable to work so this left robin lee as the primary breadwinner and randy is the stay-at-home dad 
So it seemed to be working, and Robin Lee was killing it at the Y. She was promoted manager to the Y's bingo operation. Oh, YWCA, bless your heart. This was a terrible idea. So the bingo program started in February 1992, and it was pretty successful. But then all of a sudden, it began to lose money. The mm. Y told Robin Lee they would be shutting the bingo center down and auditing the financial records. Oh, she fucked now. Yeah, she's like, wait, what? She You're going to do what now? now. Mm-hmm. So not long after Robin Lee got the news of the audit, um, in the early morning of February 10th, 1992, there was a fire in the duplex Robin Lee, Randy, Josh 10, and Tabby 8 lived in. <sighs> Shit pothole. Hit the skip ahead. Everyone inside died from smoke inhalation. The only person not home at the time was Robin Lee because she was spending the night with her best friend. So her husband and two children, again, well, this time not, I mean, a husband's a new one, but you know what I mean. Seriously? So here's Robin Lee's story. Okay, yes, please. I would love to hear this. She woke up in the middle of the night filled with dread and an overwhelming feeling that something was wrong. Y'all, what have we learned? Whenever someone has this feeling, it's because they did something and they know there's something wrong. Smelt it, Remember, what's her face? Kelly Glassendanger? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had the same feeling and she is the one that helped kill her fucking husband. Yeah. You don't have premonitions that your husband died. Or your family died. You don't have a premonition. You fucking did it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You just want to make sure that the timeline's right so that... You, you want to make sure people understand you weren't there. Right. But you were there. Exactly. Oh, I was at my friend's house the whole time. <sighs> so and I told her, I was like, I had a bad feeling. <sighs> yeah, because you set a fucking fire, bitch. Of course you had a bad feeling. <sighs> like, <sighs> so I digress. So what did, you, what did she do? Did she call home? Did she go home? No. Nope. She fucking couldn't shake this feeling, so she distracted herself, you know. With drinking. She did laundry, she took a shower, she got dressed. And then, about 5 a.m., she allegedly still couldn't shake her feeling and woke up her best friend and told her, I know something is wrong, I had this premonition all night nagging me to go home. Bitch, please. I can't even. I can't even with this. So, Robin's Lee's best friend, um, her name is. Yeah. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. No, I'm just like kind of taken aback that to, to do something else, you're going to do laundry. Laundry. Yes, laundry. What? When is that ever a thing that you're like, I'm going to distract myself, so I'll do laundry. <laughs> like, I don't even do laundry when I don't have any underwear, so... Same. I'm literally like, well, I guess i got to finally wash this shit. You know how many and times I it. wore bikini bottoms instead of real underwear because I'm like, <laughs> that shit? You're like, it's Texas. I'm eventually going to go swimming sometime, maybe today. We'll see. So you, you're telling me you've never done that? I have, of course I have. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Of course I have. I'm not judging you. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Joan is her best friend's name. 
Joan. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she's staying at Joan's house. Mm-hmm. Tell me Joan is going to spill some tea. Please tell me Joan is not stupid. Joan's stupid. God dang it, Joan. Come on, girl. <laughs> Come on. So, um, apparently Robin Lee sleeping at Joan's house was not uncommon. She told people she was having problems with Randy. Of course she was telling, she was, you know, laying the groundwork with that. And the kids preferred to stay home with Randy. Of course they did because you're a fucking psycho. Um, she told her that, she told Joan that Randy was emotionally and physically abusive and, um, gave Joan the impression that she was fleeing a bad situation. Okay. But Randy also had called Joan's house while Robin Lee was there and he would leave angry, threatening messages demanding that Robin Lee return home. So there was a reason for Joan to believe this. Oh yeah, for sure. So it's, it's playing into the story that she's telling. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, was Randy abusive? I don't know. Does that part of the story line up? Yes, it does. Okay. So, after Robin Lee woke Joan up, they drove over to the duplex, and as soon as they got to the intersection on Robin Lee Street, they saw flashing lights. This is when Robin Lee turned it on, and she started Uh screaming. That's my house! That's my family is in there. Ah. Oh. And scene. Well done, ma'am. Thank you. <laughs> Joan later said that um, she also said the house might be on fire before they could even see the house or any indication that would be a possibility. Hmm. You'll let that one slip too soon. Mm-hmm. Once they got there, the house was engulfed in flames and Robin Lee started running towards the house and had to be restrained and started screaming, my children, my children, before she just became silent. Okay, well, I don't think she ever had any intention of running into that house because when the cabin was on fire, she ran from it and left Keith inside. All of this is for show. Yeah. Because there was fire there, her best friend was there, law enforcement was probably there. They, she needed them all to see her acting correctly yes in quotes yes like this is how it, a mother who's going through this horrible tragedy would feel and whatever whatever so therefore i'm gonna play it up mm-hmm. got mm-hmm. it yes so is anyone shocked that the fire was immediately assumed to be arson mm, no because she's starting to mess with fucking you know things to start it now mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. accelerants so so, the fire appeared to have been started in two places. One on the first floor of the two-story duplex. Um, the primary fire was where the duplex opened to the garage, and the second fire started in one or more pile of clothes in the living room that was near... Guess what was near the pile of A clothes? Heater. A, A fucking heater. heater. See, here's the thing. This cunt has an MO. There also fires, from what I understand, and again, I don't know any, I don't know shit about fires, but they don't start in two places. No. Normally. No, it starts in one no. place and emanates from there. Yes. And there was also flammable Ooh. liquid that was used as an accelerant. There you go. Oh, and multiple sources reported that the smoke alarms were disabled by someone slipping off the circuit switch that the furnace... Oh, and the furnace was set to run continuously. Oh, my God. So. Arson, 100%. Let me tell you something. If you're not familiar with fires, let me tell you why the furnace is important. 
But yeah, please, I don't understand fully, but I know it's not the good. The furnace being set to run continuously. A fan running would speed up the circulation of the deadly fumes through the residence. Got it. So basically you're blowing the fire throughout the house. The deadly fumes. Like the, you, the, the, the gas. Yes. So when the, people say they died of smoke inhalation, mm. you're constantly... Um, you're speeding up the circulation of those deadly fumes. Jeez, that's crazy. It's crazy. Because normally your furnace runs uh-huh. and then turns off. Right. But she clicked the switch to have it run continuously okay. instead of turning off, Got instead it. of cycling. Jeez. So, as we all know, when tragedy strikes, the spouse is the number one suspect. So the Ada County Sheriff, Gary Rainey, assigned to the case started with Robin Lee and he found it very convenient that she was not home the night of the fire and he started digging into her past and he was like fucking jackpot this cunt did it mm-hmm didn't take too much either does it so based on her history specifically the loss of a child in a cess fire as well as the other things Gary was able to get a search warrant for um the remains of the duplex, her car, the Jones house, and a storage facility she ran in. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. If something ever happens to me, happens to me, I need to go find Gary. Yeah. Seriously, this guy's doing his job. Oh, and the investigator from the Amanda Lewis case. Yeah. I want them to team up and find out what happened to me. Hundred percent. Doing their jobs. Yes. 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 Yeah. And make sure Park Deets is five thousand miles away from me. Far away. <laughs> Fucking Park Deets, man. <laughs> You love him so much. <laughs> you like so how much. I threw him up on him? Yes, I do. I was like, wow, he's on social media posts now? We're getting like the cease and desist letter watch. Like, please don't talk about my client. <laughs> so I texted the pod daughter uh-huh. and I said, if you ever have my favorite forensic psychologist come up in any of your psychology classes, park deets. I need you to let me know because we love to hate him. Oh, God, yeah. Please, immediately. Like, if he's a professor or, like, an adjunct or if even if he's, like, written a book or something that you're about to read, we need to Or know. if he comes up in your psychology book, yeah. whatever. I was like, you need to tell me because we love to hate him. Immediately. Yes. <laughs> she said, okay, for sure. He's like, okay, mom, whatever. Oh, my God. What are you doing? <laughs> she thinks I'm crazy. Yeah. Um... So get these two on it. Keep park deets away from me because you never know if he's going to think you're crazy or not. That's true. Andrea Yates, yes. Deanna Laney, or Andrea Yates, no. Deanna Laney, yes. Yeah, which is it? Which is it? (sighs) Figure it out, man. So anywho, Gary found six insurance policies Robin Lee had taken out on Randy, Josh, and Tabby. Six? Six. The most recent had been taken out 17 days before the fire. Mm-hmm. The policies totaled $276,500 with Robin Lee as the sole beneficiary. Mm-hmm. Ready for today's money total? $539,139.53. Whoa. That's a hell of a way to make a lot of money quick. Wow. Hey, honey, we need life insurance. <laughs> Pot hubby's like, hell no, never. <laughs> he actually tells me that. <laughs> sure he does. So in the storage facility. Yes, I'm so curious about this. Because this is the first we've heard about her having a storage facility. Exactly. Like, what is she keeping, you know? 
her clothes, okay. new furniture, anything breakable was wrapped in newspaper dated February 7th, 1992, which was just three days before the fire. They also found the missing cash and bingo cards from the Y. There was nothing that belonged to Randy or the children in the storage unit. Oh, wow. So she'd already planned this out. The other thing is, is how stupid are you for dating it? That is just dumb. You're going to date it. She didn't want her shit to break, and newspaper is free, whereas bubble wrap costs money. Oh, she didn't physically write the date. You're saying no, no, it's no. on the newspaper. Yes, it was on the newspaper. The newspaper she wrapped her breakables in was oh, dated. Oh my God, still so dumb. Still so dumb. Like, she's not thinking ahead, like, if I get caught. Because she hasn't gotten caught, so she's thinking she's never going to get caught. Right, right, right. Because she hadn't run into Gary. Well, she going to learn today. Gary's don't play. That's right. <laughs> Funnily true. Hashtag Gary don't play. <laughs> yep. That might be my next sticker. <laughs> the Gary's in the world are like, yay, we were finally represented in a sticker. <laughs> Gary don't play. So, oh God. Gary knew what happened that night. And who had done it, as well as what happened to Keith and really Christina, too. Because by now it's the 90s, and they knew more about SIDS. So Gary knew that Christina May hadn't died by SIDS. Mm -hmm. The problem was, there was no direct evidence that led Robin Lee to the fire at the duplex. And she had the alibi because she had been at Joan's house, right? Right. How do I connect these dots? It's all circumstantial at this point. At best, it's suspicious looking. Remember Gary Don't Play? Yes. He knew he couldn't arrest her on charges related to the fire, but he did have enough to arrest her and charge her with grand theft for the stolen Y money. Oh, yes, baby. So on February 13th, 1992, she was booked into the Ada County Jail. So while in jail, Joan stood by her side, and Robin Lee had um, convinced her that Randy had set the fire himself as punishment to Robin Lee for leaving him. So not only did Joan believe her story... But Joan's husband and son bought into the bullshit hook, line, and sinker as well. Wow. Ready for a sidebar? Yes. Joan's son, John, who was an adult, uh-huh. in the weeks leading up to the fire, mm. he was bumping uglies with Robin. Oh, come on, dude. Ew, did Joan know? She didn't know. There's no way. I don't know. But Robin Lee really seemed to be in love with John and wrote him several letters from jail and made several um, calls to him. But John said for him it was just sex. He was like, I just wanted to hit it and quit it. Right. This is just like a one-nighter or like, you know, a friends with benefits situation. This is not me like... Of course he's saying that because relationship. now she's fucking crazy. Well... I mean, I mean, okay, you're a dude. Let's say you are developing the feels. And then you find out she set a duplex on fire that killed her husband and her two kids. Are you going to be like, yeah, I have the feels for her? Are you, or are you going to be like, I was hitting it and quitting it? Oh, yeah, yeah, the latter. I'm out. Bye. Have fun with that. Yeah. I don't need this. Because you don't want to talk to the cops about anything. No, God, no. Because next thing you know, you're going to be in jail too. Right. So Joan was adamant that Robin Lee was asleep on the couch until she had her premonition that woke her up and that she didn't start the fire. 
And, um, you know, she was like, no, Robin Lee didn't do this. She didn't do it. But once she found out about all the money Robin Lee was set to collect from the insurance, mm-hmm. and that the latest policy was taken out 17 days before, Joan then agreed to use a recording device the next time Robin Lee called her from jail. Okay. As I was going to say, Joan is either a really good friend or she's just really blinded by Robin Lee. Because I think that like kind of put a little bit like a baby doubt in her head. Like, Yeah. But she justified doing this by saying she thought the, by recording the call she would be able to prove Robin Lee's innocence. And that she really wanted to believe that she had a good explanation for the things that Gary was telling her. Okay. So she really thought that Robin Lee was going to like give her this great explanation for why um, Gary was sheriff or Officer Gary was telling her all these things. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. So she is a good friend. She's basically saying, no, I'm a ride or die bitch and I believe that my friend is innocent. So yeah, of course I'm going to wear a wire so I can prove to y'all that she's innocent. Right. So, okay, I will say this. Joan gets a friend award, for sure. I mean... Gold star for Joan. Gold star for Joan. So, um, Gary set up up the story with Joan, and Joan went along with it because she's like, look, I'm going to prove to you Mm -hmm. that she didn't do this. So, Gary had Joan tell her she had woken up while Robin Lee was asleep on the couch, as she was supposed to be, to test her alibi. Poor Joan. Bless her fucking heart. Bless Joan's ride or die heart. So instead of saying, so poor Joan, she tells her, you know, I I woke up while you're supposed to be asleep on the couch, but you weren't there. So instead of Robin Lee saying, what are you talking about, Joan? I was there. You must have, I must have been under the blanket. You didn't see me. Mm -hmm. Robin Lee hesitated and told Joan she couldn't remember where she was. Oh, not good. So this mess, misstep is what led the deputy prosecuting attorney signing a criminal complaint on March 20th, 1992 for three counts of first degree murder and one count of aggravated arson. And the judge issued a warrant for her arrest. Mm-hmm. So as soon as Robin Lee learned about the felony charges, her memory became much better. Oh, wow. Weird. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, I remember where I'm at. Oh, my God. It was so crazy. Oh, my God. All of a sudden, like, it just came to me like a premonition. Like, in a dream. Like, a premonition. Like, whenever my husband and children died. Weird. So, she calls Joan, and she told her she remembered where she had been that night of the fire. She had been outside Joan's home talking to her psychiatrist. Only if that had been true. Only if she had a psychiatrist. So many people would be alive right now. Wait, wait. On a phone? Or, like, in person? Because in the 90s, phones were massive. Cell phones were massive. I'm thinking, like, Do you think she took the... Oh, so she took the cordless phone outside? Maybe. I'm thinking... I don't know. It just said... Outside Jones' home talking to... You see how these logistics are not working in her favor? Like, it's a fucking bullshit. But, you know, in in 92, you had cordless home phones. You did. Yes, this is true. And I took mine outside all the time to not talk inside my house, so my fucking mom wouldn't listen to my shit. True. Because I was in high school, and I was probably planning to stay at my boyfriend's house while I told her I was at my best friend's Friend's house. house. (laughs) We all did that. 
Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Anywho. Yep. <laughs> Anywho. Um, so this is when Joan realizes her BFF's a murderer. Yeah. This is when it hits Joan. Sorry, honey. Yo, y'all, how many times do we have to say it? Yeah. Murder's never the answer. No. Never. Nope. So stupid ass Joan tells Robin Lee she's working with Sheriff or Officer Gary, and that's when Robin Lee starts talking to her. Yeah, Joan, you shouldn't have said that. Joan. You should have just kept the line of communication Joan, open. Sweetie. And been mm-hmm. like, okay, let's see how far this treachery goes. Mm-hmm. Joan. Boo. Sis. No. So the trial was from late March or late January to March 1993. The defense did everything they could to throw doubt at Robin Lee being the murderer. <laughs> they told the Randy did it story to the maybe it was John. See, this is why John was like, I hit it and quit it. Yeah, he's like, no, no, I'll, I didn't. But the prosecution had so many witnesses that contradicted almost all of the defense's claims that the jury came back with guilty verdicts on all the charges. Yeah. Also, like, if you're going to throw out, oh, I was talking to my psychiatrist, you better believe that they're like, what's their name? I'm going to talk to them. Were you talking to this person at this time of night? No? Okay. I mean, like, it's easily and- provable. I'm not an attorney. I haven't gotten my law license since last week. I'm still waiting for it to come in the mail. Right. Um, but I'm pretty sure when you have a defense, you should have one defense, not eight. Right. It should just be enough misdirection to where people are like, not really sure what happened. Reasonable doubt. Not, but this, or this, or this, or this. Right. Just You should have one clear option right this is what happened instead of what the prosecution's telling you instead of 18 different options wow. it's not a choose your own crime <laughs> adventure no it's not or it shouldn't be <laughs> jesus so robin's sensing hearing wasn't until october 19th 1993 even though she was convicted in march so she had you know quite a bit of time to sit and wait and see what happened um the state was seeking the death penalty And at the hearing, Robin Lee was allowed to give her testimony. And it is great she finally regained her memory of the night because she claimed it had been so traumatic that she thought she was innocent of the crime. But after interviews and hypnosis, she realized she was involved and had just been blocking it out. I have a quote. Ready? Yes, I think. This is her quote from her testimony. Oh my God. I was at Joan's house, and I was very agitated and desperate to get out of a bad marriage. I drove out to the house that evening. I don't remember times. I think it was 3 or 3.30, something like that. The facts I recall are different than what testimony was presented. The house is not intended to burn down. It was just intended to do some structural damage, enough that we would have to have left. The children and I would go to Jones and Randy, I assume, would go to his family. And I felt this was the only way to get him out of my life. After the fire was set, I went back to Jones house. So why admit this now? Yeah. Is it possible that she thought if she took some responsibility, it might save her from the death penalty? Yeah, that in a lower sentence maybe. I don't know. So December 16th, 1993, Robin Lee Rowe 
was sentenced to death for the three murder convictions and 20 years for the aggravated arson charge. Oh, shit. She is the only woman on death row in Idaho. Wow, that's amazing. I had no idea. So later, when she had different lawyers and during appeals, she retracted that statement she made during sentencing. Her excuse was, at the time, she just wanted to die, and it was the fastest way possible. What? That's not even a full confession. That's a, well, I just kind of just wanted to sort of burn the house down, but not like really burn the house down. I really didn't want to kill anybody. Whoops. Like that's not even a confession. Really? What? In 2010, um, true crime um, author Kelly Benaski posted a statement from Robin Lee on the blog Women Condemned. And I'm going to leave you with this statement. Please. I know most of you think everyone on death row claims to be innocent. In my case, it's true. I couldn't leave behind the legacy that if I died, everyone would think the children's mother killed them. I wanted to die when I heard my children were dead. The pain I felt was excruciating. It was as if my heart had been ripped out of my chest and stomped on, tearing it to shreds. At first... Memories would come rushing back through my mind, and they were so hard to handle. A commercial would remind me of my son, or I'd hear a song that was my daughter's favorite. All over, I'd see them or think of them. The agony, agony was unbearable. I'm tired, emotionally drained. I'm lonely. Living in isolation is a hard thing. I wanted out and saw execution as a way out. Wow. There's so much to unpack there. Damn, girl. That's Robin Lee Rowe. That is fucking insane. And the fact that she's still trying to kind of wiggle her way out of this to this day is impressive. Is this narcissism? Because I'm feeling a little, little narcissism. Like, uh, what's her name? Uh, Who, you know one of the many women who are like, I'm just going to drive my kids into the water. Um, oh, uh, Smith. Yeah. Smith, uh, Andrew Smith, or, um, the other one who shot her kids, you know, it was very much like I was shot too. And I suffered as well. It was awful. And you're like, your kids are, I don't think almost it's dead. I don't think it's narcissistic. Nothing about her was narcissistic in the entire story until the statement at the end mm-hmm. where she's trying to be the victim. So I really think that statement at the end is just her trying to still get out of it. Like, overturn my conviction. Got it. To this day, just like, no, I didn't do it. So really, she was a grifter more than a murderer. I mean, she is a murderer, yes, but... Her intent wasn't the murder. Her intent was the money at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Which yes. is unfortunate that she chose her own children to do these things too. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. Well, Wayne lucked out. Oh, thank God. Good job, Wayne. For once, it's a Wayne that doesn't turn into... Like, he may have turned as like kind of a dirtbag, but he didn't at the end. Well, I mean, you know, in the beginning, I think Wayne was a troubled, probably late teens... He, you know, him and his friends thought it was good times to set cars on fire, like, like rebellious teen situation. Mm-hmm. I rebelled, but I didn't set anything on fire. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, same. 
And then they said prison or military. And honestly, he chose the Marines, which I personally be like, Joe, thanks. But I think for him, like, that really turned his life around. Mm -hmm. And then when he, like, came back to North Carolina, he tried to give it a go with her. And she set the mobile home on fire. And he was like, fuck this. I know you did this. I just want away from you. Mm -hmm. Get the fuck out of my house. Mm -hmm. Like, he set the mobile, she set the mobile home on fire. She wrote bad checks. He was like, I'm in the military. I've turned my life around. I'm not going to let you pull me down. Get the fuck out. Yeah. Which good for him. Honestly. Like, I mean, it could have gone a very different way. He could have been the first of many. You know what I mean? It could. And how many of these men do we hear about getting pulled down by these women? Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. Remember, um, God, what was his name? Was Celeste Beard that ended up committing suicide? Oh, God. Um, he, over and over, man. he tried to get away and get away and get away and get but away. He, I think he was just in love with her so much that he just couldn't... And I don't think it's necessarily love. I think it's almost like an addiction. Mm. Like it's a person you knew at a young age and you're just kind of used to that. Well, I think they're from bad situations as well. Mm. And it's not really love. It's a... Codependency? mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Codependency or like a... um, attention situation Mm -hmm. like you don't get you're not getting anything at home and they're giving it to you and you know yeah and then they just become part of your life whether you want them to or not and then they're in and out of your life and you're like well maybe I can make it work this time and And you feel you don't deserve anything better better, because honestly it's better than what your parents gave you yeah so it's a step up and so you don't think you're ever going to deserve anything you're going to deserve or get anything better than that because you're getting what's better than you have with your parents. Yeah. Craig, right? With, uh, what's her face? Wasn't his name Craig? Maybe. I don't remember. Yeah. That's awful. But no, yeah, that's an interesting case. I mean, clearly this woman did all of these things. I'm sorry. Like, come on. Yes. She's an arsonist. Yeah. A murderous arsonist. God, that's crazy. That's a good one. That was a very interesting story. I try. I mean, I didn't tie it back to any of our other old cases, so I'm a little disappointed, but... You don't always have to. I appreciate it. I was on a good, I was on a good yeah, run there. You were on a streak. It was a streak. Sorry. I found her, and I was like, <laughs> she's interesting. Well, as you know, I freaking love Halloween. Yes. And technically, it's a couple days away. Yes. So... What you got? I got a Halloween themed star mom from, from an idea you actually gave me. So I was like, Ooh, good idea. (laughs) How do you have a Halloween star mom? Because Halloween is like creepy. You ready? Yes. We're going to talk about Cassandra Peterson. I don't know who that is. L motherfucking Vira. Oh, that was my idea. (laughs) We're going to talk about Elvira. (laughs) Elvira. Which I don't know if you guys have seen her or knew about her, but if you see her lately, she's in her seventies and she looks incredible am i being... gonna want to look like her in my 70s uh i do do i want to look like her now and i'm not in my 70s i'm in my <laughs> do you want to look like dolly parton fuck yeah I'm she's in like... her 70s too i want to look like dolly parton now i know me too where are my boobs <laughs> well you gotta go to the doctor and they have to yeah there's a whole thing so we have stickers on our linkedin <laughs> For donations. I promise I won't use it for boobs. LinkedIn. Why are you saying LinkedIn, girl? You mean Instagram? Oh. 
no. on our professional business profile for our, no. we should start LinkedIn. Not LinkedIn. Um, that'd be great. I would die. It's this mimosa. I, I, There's no orange juice in this. No. It's like <laughs> champagne. Um, not LinkedIn. The other one that starts with an L. Uh, no, the other one. This starts with an L? Does it start with an L? What's the... Oh, God. Linktree. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, link in our, link in our bio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. Okay. Got it. Yes. I'm sorry. Hold on. Rewind. Stop. Rewind. <laughs> Go back. Go back. Um, if you donate money for our stickers in our Linktree, I promise it won't go towards boobs. But if my boobs get bigger, it's because I took vitamins. <laughs> so, Elvira... <laughs> She was born. <laughs> That's great. It's just going to be a fund and it's like, hmm, this is weird. Like all of a sudden Amanda's out for a couple weeks. Hmm. <laughs> I can still podcast from my bed. This is true. We could. I could, I could meet you. You I could or we could do it by Zoom. People do yeah. it all the time. Exactly. They would never know. Never. I promise it'll be for podcast stuff. Donate money first. <laughs> Not LinkedIn. Linktree. <laughs> oh my God. So... On September 17, 1951, the world was graced with Miss Cassandra Peterson. She was born in Manhattan, Kansas. And while other girls played with dolls... Oh, you're going to have Skelly look at me. Too I Willy one to listen to your story. He does. Yes, because he's very into Halloween as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she was playing with horror-themed toys. So her fascination with the macabre started young. I love it. Macabre? 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 Macabre. Macabre? Okay. Macabre. I always feel wrong saying it that way for some reason. Um, the first horror movie she ever saw was House on Haunted Hill from the 60s, which she saw in elementary school. And in high school, get this, this is where I'm just like, there's more than one path, y'all. There's more than one path. Don't believe the college, house, two kids, suburban bullshit. This bitch in high school was a drag king go-go dancer at a 60s gay bar. I'm sorry, what? A drag king go-go dancer at a 60s gay bar. In the 60s. So, she dressed up like a man. Mm -hmm. In a gay bar. And was a dancer there. And danced Mm -hmm. in a cage? I'm assuming a cage. I'm picturing a cage, yes. And go-go dance. Yes. As a, a teenager. Bar, in a gay bar for men or for women? I don't know. It didn't go farther than that. Okay. I'm but that's all I heard. Picture or read. I'm just trying to picture in my head. I know. And I was like, so her her being this gay icon goes back to her teenage years. I mean, mm-hmm. she was already in the community, mm-hmm. which I love. I think it's freaking awesome. So again, this is the 1960s. So she's after seeing Anne Margaret, who herself is an icon, in Viva Las Vegas, the movie with Elvis... While she was in Las Vegas as a teen, she wanted to see a show and see what it was all about. She was like, oh, that's kind of cool. What's this like, go, like dancer life that she's doing? You know, that's showgirl life looks really interesting to me. So her parents saw a show and someone took notice of her in the production team. And at only 17, she convinced her parents that this is what she wanted to do with her life. And they let her sign a contract to be a dancer. Um, which that's good parents you know what her mom is the star mom yes (laughs) right I'm just saying like there's not a lot of parents that would do that let alone the 60s yes 
you got to think about that. Like they're very, you know, well, this is how you're supposed to live your life. And yeah, I was like, okay. Um, she did finish high school and then became a showgirl in Vegas and Fre- Frederick Apcar's pioneering Viva Les Girls at the Dunes, one of the first casinos out there. Um, and this was in the 60s. So think like the golden era of Las Vegas where Rat Pack, Elvis was playing. We're talking like Las Vegas was where you dressed up to go to, like when you dressed up to go on an airplane, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, she actually did get to meet Elvis and they even went on a date girl hound that he was because he was and he did have a thing for younger girls so we're gonna leave that to the side over here but uh yeah she actually did go on a date with fake uh elvis which i thought was interesting this is the star mom so i'm not gonna go there <laughs> with elvis yes not gonna ruin y'all's elvis fantasy yeah i'm a fan too and i'm still like well, problematic um so as a showgirl, she landed a small role in the Bond film, Diamonds Are Forever, in 1971 at age 20. Living her best life, she then moved to Italy in the 70s and became a lead singer of Italian rock bands, I, Latin's 80, and The Snails, and was even introduced to Federico Fellini, the same director who did La Dolce Vita and Eight and a Half. Okay, so this bitch moves to Italy... And, and is a lead singer in two rock bands and gets a chance to meet a legendary Italian director. And she even got a small part in his film Roma in 1972 as a topless dancer. And then another in The Working Girls in 74 at age 23. So she's already done more than most people have at 23. So I feel bad about myself now. So thanks for um, this star mom. I appreciate it. Um, don't feel and bad. We don't will feel bad. see you next Tuesday. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Okay, bye. <laughs> Love you. Bye. <laughs> yeah, no, she. I was like shocked. And granted, I'm just gonna say some. Like, I'm trying to gather as much information as possible. Believe it or not, she doesn't have a biography.com page. Which I was like, that's criminal. That why you should make one. I know. I was like, what the hell? Like this does woman. Does she have a Wikipedia? Wait for it. Yes, yeah, she does. But wait for this. Um, hold on. Something just happened recently that you're gonna. Appreciate. So, once she came back to the States from Italy, she toured with the musical comedy act Mama's Boys and eventually joined the improv troupe The Groundlings. Okay, so I just recently realized who the hell these people were because some members include J.J. Abrams, Pee Wee Herman. <gasps> oh my God, Pee Wee's Playhouse. And Kristen Wiig. So, The Groundlings was just, is still around. It's improv troupe that quite a few people come out yeah, of in yeah, L.A. Yeah. And Pee-wee Herman, she later was in Pee-wee's Big Adventure in 1985 with him. So, was she herself in Pee-wee's Big Adventure? I can't remember. I think she may have been Elvira in it. I, I need to rewatch that movie because I was I was a kid when I watched so, it. So, I can't believe we canceled Pee-wee Herman because he was caught jacking off in a... In a theater? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a big deal back then. It was, y'all. And now I'm kind of like, well, he wasn't hurting anybody. I'm not saying it's nice. I mean, but wasn't it one of those smut movies anyway? You know, wasn't it a... Yeah, it was a A theater. It was a porn theater. It was a porn theater. Isn't everybody kind of doing that in those theaters? Yeah. Why are we we kink shaming, you know? Because it was the 80s. That's true. So while she was with the Groundlings... She made a character based on a valley girl, which eventually became what she based the character of Elvira on. So she kind of like workshopped it a little bit. And then she 
eventually turned into Elvira later on. So in 81, when she was 30, the Los Angeles Weekend horror TV show Fright Night was making a comeback. Their host, Sinister Seymour, Larry Vincent, had died six years earlier, and they asked another horror goddess, Malia Nurmi, to revive the Vampira show, which she did for a minute. So Vampira was pre-Elvira. Okay. And there was a little bit of a thing where when Elvira started, Vampira was like, hey girl, you're basically stealing my shit. It was turned out that no, she, she was ruled in favor of Elvira. Obviously, she's yeah. still around. Um, but obviously, she did borrow some from it because it's a you know it's kind of a common it's hard to be (laughs) kind of like a witchy woman without borrowing some things right from the trope you know right so eventually they did a casting call and cassandra auditioned and got the part they largely left it up to her to create her character and image with the help of a friend she came up with a sexy rocker horror queen elvira so i just want to Go back for a hot second. Yes. And let you know, in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, she played Biker Mama. Really? Okay, uh, we're all going to have to rewatch this movie, because I don't remember her. Because I remember the trucker scene with the lady turn around, and her face is all weird, and that scared the shit out of me. But I don't remember it. Biker Mom. Biker Mama. Ba- Biker Mama. Okay, here. Oh. Okay, it's like a club scene. She's got great hair. So it's when he does the tequila at the biker bar. Got it. And that lady. The trucker lady. So this is her. Okay. Let's all watch it together this week and come back um, the next Tuesday and discuss. Yes. Like, I, oh, crap, I meant to do my homework for the other one, too. My bad. So Cassandra Peterson married musician Mark Pearson in 1981. He soon became her personal manager. Pretty common. Yeah. They had one daughter, Sadie, Sadie Pearson, born October. Oh, Sadie. I love that name. Isn't that cute? And God. she's cutie. Why, why did I miss the mark on all my kids' names? You did not. Sorry, pod children. They're great. I love them. The last one, I kind of veered off into a weird path. They're pod hub. Pod hub. Pod kid one, pod kid two, two pod, pod kid, kid three. But yeah, I mean, that makes total sense to me. Pocket three is like, I was going down this path and then I went, <laughs> people look at me and they're like, you need to get what? Eh, I've heard worse. Apple. Really goop. Come on, girl. I don't like her. Yeah. Um, so Sadie was born October 12th, 1994. And um, just a little side note about her marriage. It did end in February of 2003. Um, so... Elvira quickly grew in popularity with her smart, funny quips, self-mockery, campy humor, and double entendre about her looks, which really brought in the viewers. Which, if you have not seen Elvira, she has a V-neck dress all the way to her navel. Very beautiful uh, titties, if you don't if you know, mind me saying that. But seriously, she's gorgeous. Gorgeous. I mean, you're worried about saying tits <laughs> with everything else we say? True, true. Like, she's... Honestly, when I remember seeing her as a kid, I was like, oh, I could look like that when I grow older. Like, I legit thought that. Oh, right? Now you have the boobs. I do. I could be Elvira. It would be <gasps> so much fun. Be Elvira for Halloween. I know. I might. I might just have I to don't do that. celebrate Halloween, but you do. You I do. Her. I go ham. I, I usually have like two or three costumes because I'm a weirdo. Maybe <sighs> she'll post them on our socials, y'all. Possibly. And I'll let you know if I become Elvira. Mm. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> so during one interview, she said... 
I figured out that Elvira is me when I was a teenager. She's a spastic girl. I just say what I feel and people seem to enjoy it. And if you were alive in the 80s and 90s, you remember Elvira. She was almost everywhere. We're talking TV commercials, pinball machines, movies. There's a um, song, Elvira. Yeah. I mean, like everywhere. I mean, like she was a household name in the 80s and 90s. Um, she went to, she became a cult figure and then eventually a brand. And they even made Halloween costumes, comic books, calendars, perfume, and dolls. There's um, Elvira perfume. I kind of want to find this. I bet you eBay has some. I'm almost positive. It's probably all dried up, but <laughs> just having the bottle, I'm just curious if it's like a shape of her, you know? Here we go. There's a Kat Von D perfume, which... Kat Von D wishes she was Elvira. Sorry, Kat, but let's be real. You know, I was all about Kat Von D, but not... I'm over her. Yeah. <gasps> oh, no, it's not. It's a square bottle with a silver cylindrical lid, like an old school. Stop it. Oh, it's a three. Okay. Zombie, vamp, and black roses. Ooh, I want them all. I want black roses. Vamp sounds phenomenal. They all sound good. Okay, yeah, we're definitely going to have to get some of these. So... Back to the story. I found Jesse's Christmas gift. <laughs> in 1985, when she was 34, her series Thriller Video started, where she would pick films and then be the hostess of them for, on the air. So this is what I remember. So I don't remember Freak, uh, Fright Night, but I remember Thriller Video. So she would select these movies, and they weren't too explicit. Like, they weren't too, like, gory or anything. But she wanted more, like, fun movies, like The Monster Club. Um... Eventually, she got another video hosting gig for Elvira's Midnight Madness because of the success of this series. At 37, when she, um, in 1988, she landed her biggest role yet with her first feature film, which she helped write, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Um, It was a labor of love. Her and her husband went about writing, promoting it. They even went to Cannes Film Festival with it. Like, they really went all out trying to get this thing, like, sold and... You can actually find it on Hulu right now, guys. Heads up if you have Hulu. So definitely recommend watching it. It's so fun. Um, In 93, she landed a TV series that was unfortunately canceled before it aired, but it was going to be called The Elvira Show. And the premise was basically like her movie, but in a sitcom with her family moving into a neighborhood with uptight conservative neighbors. So kind of like The Addams Family. Kind of like The Addams, exactly. The Addams Family, but more modern. Adam's Family, I guess. Which, around that time, also, the Adam's Family movies came out, which were Chef's Kiss. Incredible. I do love the Adam's Family. So good. So, her TV show, Elvira's Movie Macabre, to return to the air in September 2010. This I did not know. Oh. Yes. And then in October 2014, when she was 63, the 13 Nights of Elvira for Hulu premiered. She is still working on the sequel, by the way, to Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. And um, obviously she's still kind of like in this, she doesn't do it all the time, but every time this year she resurrects and comes back for Halloween. Kind of, She's like kind of like our Santa Claus. Oh, she's your Santa. She's my Santa, yeah. So let's go back to most recently. So just this year, September 20-ish, 2021, 
She finally released a memoir, Yours Cruelly, Elvira, Memoirs of the Mistress of the Dark. Have you read it? I have not. Have you bought it? I have not, but I need to. And this is when she revealed that after she got divorced, she started dating a woman. Oh. Teresa Wireson. And they have been together for 19 years. So she's living her truth. She's living her truth. She said they've been in relationships since she was around 50. And again, she's in her 70s. And she was like, you know, it just never occurred to me to like date a woman. It just kind of happened. So for her, she's finally kind of come into her own. It was finally comfortable saying like, I'm a gay icon and I don't want to take anything away from their experience by making it seem like I'm just now coming out with this, but I didn't feel comfortable for all those years saying anything because, well, you know, and you know, maybe personal too. Maybe she loved her husband yeah. and now she loves yeah a woman. Who cares? Yeah. It's, it, there's nothing wrong with that. There's no, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Exactly. Love I don't care. Oh, <laughs> so, oh my God. Oh my God. We live in Texas and there's so many frustrating things oh, going on right God. now that I just am like, who cares what happens to other people's cooter coos and winky dinks? Yeah, agreed. Like, honestly, I Why do, do not care. Why do you care so much about other people's cooter coos and winky dinks? I don't know. Honestly, love who you love. Be you. Like, you know, be whatever you want to be and be the best person you can be is yeah, all I care about. Uh, yeah, just just be a good person. I'm yeah. not always a good person. I'm working on being a good person. That has nothing to do with my cooter coo. Exactly. <laughs> Nor is it your right to ask my sexuality from birth. Like, why would anyone ask anyone that? Or require proof. But yes, I, I know. I know. I'm with you. Cooter coos um, and winkings. Who cares? Yeah. No one. No one. But that is the very short story. Obviously, I need to read her memoir. Of Miss Cassandra Peterson, otherwise known as... Elvira, the queen, the mistress of the dark of Halloween. Me and um, Two-Eyed Willie are going to be disappointed if you don't dress up as Elvira for <laughs> Halloween. Halloween. I don't even have the wig. I need to get the dress. Hello. I know you have an Amazon account. <laughs> I know this is a problem. Oh, my God. We could have it here tomorrow. That's probably true. You, I mean, at this point, Halloween is a couple of weeks away. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's Elvira. I learned a lot of shit I had no idea about with her. Love it. I found her three clown <gasps> set. Oh. Is this website real? I don't know. <laughs> I give people I don't know money. Like, I buy things on Instagram ads. <laughs> I do too. I cannot say shit. I cannot. I've literally been on a website being like, they're just going to take my money straight up. And then it delivers and I'm like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I mean, I did buy the Pod Hubby's Christmas gift from an Instagram ad. Granted, I had my daughter buy it, and then I Venmoed her the money. So maybe her bank account's compromised, yeah. not mine. Yeah, you know. I love you. <laughs> thank you, daughter. I appreciate it. I, will, I gave you the money for the gift. If all your other money gets stolen, I can't reimburse <laughs> you for that. Like, thanks, Mom. Appreciate you. <laughs> Just call the bank. They'll give it back. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, this episode's going to air like right before Halloween. So happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween. And if y'all don't stop spelling season S-Z-N on social media, I'm going to throat punch people. Does that that bother you? Yes. (laughs) Spooky season. I see hashtag spooky season S-Z-N and I'm just like, get the fuck out of here. Millennials. (laughs) Fucking millennials. 
But millennials that listen to us and love us, I love you. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, so not all of us are bad, just some of us. Is just the ones that don't listen to us and spell season S-E-N. Got it, got it. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for listening to episode 22. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday.